0: This program is part of Film Geek Radio. Visit FilmGeekRadio.com for more great shows. I'm not joking. I kill people. I no, exactly the a charity type Lately, there are these moments when I feel connected to something else. Would you please stop
1: doing that? And stop saying stupid things. Talk about your bloodbath. <laughs> Greetings, sociopaths. Welcome to Avenging Angels here on Film Geek Radio. This is our podcast devoted exclusively to the eighth and final season of the Showtime series, Dexter. I'm Andrew Johnson, and I'm joined by my dark passenger, Charlie Nash. Hey, Andrew. How are you doing, Charlie?
0: I'm good. I've actually been um, on the FBI's Most Wanted list, though, and this federal marshal has been uh, on my trail and I had to go pick up half a million
1: dollars from my friend's house. I'm glad your friend held on to that for you.
0: Oh, yeah. She just told everyone that there were snakes in the closet, so uh, no one even went in there.
1: That's a good explanation.
0: Oh, a very good explanation. It, I, I need to use that more often in my day-to-day
1: life. Don't go in there. There's snakes.
0: Every time the cops come to check my house for bodies, that's uh, that's what I'll say.
1: Oh... As always, we are not experts on Dexter, either the show or the books, but we have been following the series from the very beginning, so we may occasionally forget things that happened in earlier seasons. If we do, just email avengingangels at com and let us know. We, we we welcome kind corrections. This is episode number 10 of Avenging Angels, focused on the ninth episode of season eight of Dexter. The episode is titled Make Your Own Kind of Music. It was written by Karen Campbell and directed by John Dahl. Charlie, why don't you go ahead and give a quick recap of this episode, because there were some major reveals.
0: There were. Secrets were definitely uncovered in this episode. After convincing Hannah to stay with him in Miami, Dexter realizes that a federal marshal is searching the entire city for her. They pick up some cash that Hannah has left at her friend Arlene's house, then convince Deborah to let Hannah hide out in her apartment. Dexter also finds some hair that Zack managed to stick under the table before he was murdered, and runs it through some uh, DNA tests at the lab. As it turns out, Zack's murderer is Oliver Saxon, who was also Cassie's ex-boyfriend leading Dexter to believe that Oliver not only murdered Zach, but Cassie as well. And just when we think things can't get any weirder from there, it turns out that Oliver is also Dr. Vogel's son, who she believed had passed away several years ago when the hospital that he was institutionalized at burned to the ground. There's also some more sexual tension going on between Deborah and Quinn, and Quinn decides to kiss Deborah, and then they pretend that that just didn't happen. After realizing that Oliver is Vogel's son and Zach's killer, Dexter is determined to kill him despite the fact that Vogel is clearly conflicted about his uh, decision to do this. After drugging Vogel and lying to her about saying they will send him away to a hospital, Dexter tracks him down at a coffee shop only to see that his tires have been slashed and that Oliver is one step ahead of him. Unsure of what to do at this point, Dexter rushes back to Hannah and tries to figure out how they will move away to Argentina together. But as soon as he leaves Vogel's apartment, it is revealed that Oliver is there and that Vogel and him may be rekindling their long-lost relationship.
1: All right, before we really dive into things, here's a clip.
0: What the f*** are you doing Zach Hamilton? Quinn called. He thinks Zach killed Cassie.
1: Yeah, I thought so too, but I checked it out. Zach didn't. What
0: was Zach doing with you and Hannah and the Keys? A serial killer's convention?
1: I was helping Dr. Vogel out. I
0: don't know why I even asked you these questions. No one else knows. Zach's dead. (laughs)
1: Now I know. I don't want to know, because now I'm going to have to explain how I know. Kind of, yes. I was thinking about coming back here. About being a detective again, doing something good for a change. (laughs) But
0: it'll just lead me into another situation, won't it?
1: All right, Charlie, first of all, let's just give some general thoughts on this episode. What were your overall impressions of Make Your Own Kind of Music? Good episode? Bad episode?
0: I thought this episode was funnier than most comedies that have been released in theaters this year. Unfortunately, I don't think that that was its intention. Not to beat a dead horse, but this episode was dreadful. This this episode, despite the fact that it has big reveals, those reveals are muddled and not well-earned. And everybody on this show is officially crazy, except for Elway, who I never thought I would actually say that Elway was my favorite character on this show. But uh, it's gotten to that point now where everyone is a hypocrite, everyone is a crazy person, everyone's motivations can be uh, changed with the flick of a light switch, and uh, everyone is stupid. Basically, everyone in the show kind of deserves to be shot in the face.
1: <laughs> Except for Elway.
0: Except for Elway, who I, I never, I've never been an Elway fan. But uh, when he came in and he uh, called Deb out on her bullshit, I was like thinking, "Oh, is this in the script, or is Sean Patrick Flannery like just improvising and then getting into character and completely going off the maps to try and make the writing better?" Because uh, he's the only one who apparently has a brain left in his skull. And haha, ha, I didn't even intend to make that a brain surgeon joke, but I guess that's.
1: Relevant. Oh! Oh! Wow.
0: Yeah, no, th- this episode sucks. It, it just plain sucks. <laughs> I'm sorry. Questions have been answered about a lot of things due to big reveals, but I also have a lot more questions due to big reveals because all the details are murky and. Despite the fact that Oliver is now revealed to be both the brain surgeon and Vogel's long-lost son, him murdering Cassie just makes things way more complicated than they really needed to be. I'm like, so he murdered Cassie, and then he framed Zack, and then he killed zach because why i i'm so confused andrew
1: i don't even know charlie Uh, i cannot answer those questions for you and i wish i could uh i know that i have defended the past two episodes as episodes in and of themselves not necessarily connected to the series as a whole but i'm largely going to agree with you on this episode i i can't really defend anything here Yes, there are a lot of reveals, and I've been waiting for us to finally get some reveals and for them to finally start explaining what's going on. But they don't explain enough, and what they do explain is really convoluted, and I'm not emotionally invested in it at all. This is not a good episode, Charlie. Last week, you complained that you were bored. I was really bored this episode, even though there was a lot of stuff being revealed. The the only scene, actually, that I wasn't bored was the scene when Vogel finally revealed that uh, Oliver was her son and finally started explaining some of her backstory. I was like, oh, finally, some information. And then everything other than that scene, I thought, was just horribly handled.
0: Yeah, horribly handled. It's all incredibly lame. It's about as lame as, like, sitting down on your chair and realizing your friend left a whoopee cushion there. Like, it's, it's just silly, and I understand why you defended the last two episodes, because we didn't get any answers, and there were still opportunities for information to be revealed that could have very rich, compelling outcomes. But now that those outcomes have been revealed, they're just awful.
1: Well, it's interesting to note, Charlie, that this episode was directed by John Dahl, who's been with the show for a while. And the last episode he directed was, I believe, episode six, A Little Reflection, which is actually my favorite episode of this season so far, probably, even though that ultimate cliffhanger with Hannah really doesn't make much sense in the grand scheme of things. As an episode, I think it's a great episode. And here, I felt like he was trying really hard. To make a lot of this stuff compelling, it's just not working because, again, last week we talked about how the structure of this season just has sapped a lot of the energy out of it and really prevented us from getting to know the supporting characters. That, I mean, it's, it's just really been a problem, and I, I'm starting to think the season is not going to recover from it because, like Zach, like Cassie, Oliver, we've seen him, what, two or three times? Yeah. This season? He's
0: had five minutes of screen time, maybe? If that?
1: Maybe. Yeah. I have no connection to Oliver. I don't really care that he's the brain surgeon. I mean, it's interesting, the twist, I guess. No, it's not. That's too kind. I mean, on a conceptual level, just the idea that, oh, Vogel has a son and he's the brain surgeon. Okay, that's interesting. But the fact that it's Oliver? I, I don't have any investment in that. And you're right, it does make things a bit more complicated and and, and raise a lot of more questions. But let's talk specifics. The first thing I want to talk about is there's a new character. He's a federal agent. I'm not even sure if we learned his name.
0: We did. I, I, I wrote it down. His name is, it's only a first name. It is
1: Clayton. Okay, so Agent Clayton shows up, and he's played by Kenny Johnson, who is a really interesting actor. I mainly know him from The Shield, though I believe he's also been on Sons of Anarchy and and a lot of other shows. I think he's a really great actor. When I saw him show up in this episode, I was like, oh, Kenny Johnson, this will be interesting. Not really. (laughs) I haven't really done anything interesting with him. And it makes me sad because I'm like, oh, I like Kenny Johnson. I wish they had introduced him earlier.
0: And he also happens to be playing the dumbest U.S. marshal in probably television history i mean <laughs> he, he is dumber than a sack of bricks
1: are you saying that he's giving quinn a run for his money for dumbest law enforcement official
0: he makes quinn look like uh, sherlock holmes it's it's just <laughs> oh my god so okay dexter and hannah go to hannah's friend darlene's house to take some money and by some money i mean half a million dollars that she has stashed in her closet that no one has gone there because she claims that she told her kids there were snakes in there. We never see her kids, so we don't know how old they are. The federal marshal visits Arlene because Elway sends him on a manhunt for Hannah. He happens to stop by Arlene's house at the same time that Dexter and Hannah stop by to get the money. Dexter says, Hannah, hide in the closet. I'll take care of this. Dexter and Arlene pretend to be a couple. He comes in and he's like, oh, well, uh, you work as a waitress at Denny's. That can buy a dollhouse, let alone this house. And then Dexter's like, actually, well, we're a couple now, and I'm helping her out. And he goes, oh, well, that makes sense. And then instead of asking, may I search the house, please? Or looking around, he uh, just says, okay, well, I'll be on my way. And then uh, later in the episode, he stops by uh, Dexter's apartment, and he says, hey, so uh, I think the whole Hannah thread is dying down. You should be okay. And I'm like, how did you come to this conclusion you didn't even think about uh, searching his sister's apartment. Which, by the way, uh, Deb allows Hannah to stay at her apartment, which is insane. He really can't find Hannah, despite the fact that he's at Dexter's. She's at Dexter's sister's apartment, where they're lying on a bed together in front of a window that is wide open. And I'm assuming it's like looking at uh, several other apartment complexes. This show makes no sense. It's just so <laughs> clunky.
1: It's so corny. I agree with you. That was the part that really bugged me. You know, the part where Dexter pretends to be Arlene's boyfriend, that didn't bother me so much. Because I thought, okay, I guess that's a fairly plausible explanation.
0: Well, sure, but he doesn't even say, can I look around? He just takes a step into the house and then he goes, well, okay, then. See you later.
1: Well, I guess he would need a warrant, probably. Yeah, it it, it is weird that he didn't really follow up with any of it. And then, yeah, it's just bizarre to me that he doesn't seem really intent on tracking Hannah down. I mean, you can correct me if I'm wrong, Charlie, but have we ever seen someone as intent on discovering the truth about something as Dokes? was
0: oh no I, I i don't think so
1: no like dokes was an actual threat and dokes actually seemed capable and committed and i guess Laguerta sort of
0: yeah you know what Laguerta was a really good threat i think la in last season was a really good threat unfortunately her search ended badly for her along with just like it ended badly for dokes and uh i think that the way that her search uh, concluded was really still pretty ridiculous.
1: Well, apparently she and Dokes were the only really committed law enforcement officials yeah. <laughs> in, the, in the country. Uh, yeah, apparently. Everyone else seems to give up pretty easily. Oh, we can't find Hannah? Oh, I guess she's not around. The problem with Kenny Johnson's character, I mean, he's a great actor, but this character isn't a threat yet no on the page i guess they're telling us he's a threat but we're not actually they're not actually showing us that and speaking of hannah you're right the fact that deb would just be totally cool with hannah staying at her place again it's one of those things that if you ask me to accept it in theory i can but the execution this season of deb's arc has just been so lackluster Ever since they decided that she should just get over feeling bad about what she did to Lucreta, it, it's, it's just been so kind of ridiculous, this change that she's gone through. I mean, you got to remember, in episode three, she was ready to confess. She was almost suicidal. She was racked with guilt. It's only been six episodes, and now she's suddenly like, all right, my brother's in love with Hannah, I, want, I love my brother again, I guess it's okay if they if they run away together, I'm not going to get in the way. Sure, Hannah can stay with me, even though she tried to poison me multiple times, no problem. No
0: problem, and uh, even though she said, I want nothing to do with this, like, y- she's your problem now, then she's just like, Ugh. Fine. Like you said earlier, I think around the third episode too, you said Deb's arc will probably make or break the show. And I think that you are absolutely correct because ever since they were like, whatever, get over it. You're a good person. Shut up. Like, like she's just, and she's just like, okay, it's been terrible. No sane person would allow this to happen. I don't care how well you know your brother, after all of the crap that Dexter has put her through, through the entire show, there's only so much of this I can watch before I just expect Deb to just be like, get out of my life! What do you want from me? Like, (laughs) and just break down and just be like, what is wrong with you? Instead, they're making her dumber and crazier, which is not only less credible, but uh, makes us, at least me, hate her character, I used to love Deb, and now I just can't stand her. Oh, and on top of that, not only does she let uh, Hannah stay at the apartment, she comes home, and Hannah's making salad... And there's a great line where Hannah says, why don't you go back to the forest? And she's like, nah, I can't. I mean, my brother's a serial killer. And now there's one in my apartment eating, sa- making salad. <laughs> I'm just, that I thought was hilarious. And then on top of that, instead of saying, uh, no, thanks. You tried to poison me. She literally goes from, uh, are you kidding? You tried to poison me to eating it. And she crunches it slowly as if she's like trying to taste poison and then laughs and goes, oh my God, I can't believe I'm eating something you made. Yeah, but it's pretty good, right? It's not bad, right? <laughs> no, it's not bad at all. And I'm just like, I don't care how, like, unstable you are. No sane person would do that. Any, like, why didn't she just be like, you know what? I think I'm going to order some takeout and uh, eat at a, right. or eat at right. a restaurant. Like, there, it it just goes from A to B with no... There's no reason for her to eat that fucking salad. I'm sorry.
1: (laughs) Why would she do that? (laughs) Once again, the, the writers are asking us to accept one too many things. Even if I'm like, if I could suspend my disbelief and be like, okay, I will believe I will go with you when you suggest that Deb will let Hannah stay with her out of love for her brother. Okay, maybe I can accept that. But you're going to tell me that she's not going to be suspicious the entire time. She's not going to completely shut Hannah out of her life. She's not going to, like, lock her in a room (laughs) where she can't do any damage. I I mean, they're asking us to believe that now deb and hannah are gonna kind of become girlfriends and that's going too far too too much too fast
0: when you said that i mean it's true but when you for some reason when you just said they're trying to make us believe that hannah and deb will be girlfriends for some reason i just thought wouldn't that be funny if like next week's episode opened with them on the beach with like mimosas or something and they're just like <laughs> oh my god like this guy just dexter is like totally annoying like oh my god suddenly
1: dexter becomes season three of girls
0: <laughs> <laughs> and then they, he'll have a threesome an incestuous threesome with oh uh, man
1: <laughs> we, you, you're making me think of season six now because isn't season six the season where deb kind of starts to feel like she might be in love with dexter yep okay that was i i still maintain that was an awful season but that development as goofy As it was, it suddenly seems really innovative compared to (laughs) what we're seeing now. And there's a part of me that now wishes and is thinking back going, okay, what if they had committed to that? And they had committed to Deb being in love with Dexter and them having to wrestle with those... Feelings. Yeah, it's ridiculous. Yeah, it's kind of offensive to children that have been adopted. But if they committed to it, it would at least be kind of interesting and surprising. And again, at that point, we had spent six seasons with them. So at least you're giving us twists and surprises with characters we sort of know and we feel comfortable with, as opposed to just introducing all these random new characters and making a, a a weird, crazy plot out of them. So now I'm looking back and I'm thinking, okay, season six, not a great season, but they kind of tried to do some interesting things. They failed, but they were trying.
0: Yeah, at, at least it was coherent. You have just basically pinpointed why I now think this season is worse than season six.
1: I'm still not willing to say that yet. I I will see how the last three episodes of this season play out. I'm still not quite ready to say that this is worse than season six, but it is starting to really try my patience.
0: Yeah, my patience is at an end. They have three episodes, Andrew. I know that you've liked more than three episodes of this season, but apart from the first three episodes, Andrew, this season just sucks. Like, you know, season six, I could at least sense what they were trying to do, and... As predictable as that plot twist was, at least we got to know who Travis was as a character. At least Travis, he at least had a personality. Here, we realized that through this reveal that Oliver is Cassie's murderer and Zach's murderer, I just realized this whole season is based around drama relating to characters that we know nothing about. We don't know who Oliver is. We don't really know who Cassie is. We kind of learn who Zach is, but I don't care about him. Elway is now a threat, but we don't really know that much about him, apart from the fact that he has a crush on Deb. And an awful tan. And an awful tan. It's terrible. I mean, Hannah and Dexter's relationship is so goopy and so sappy. You know what it feels like watching their scenes together? Have you seen the live-action 101 Dalmatians with Glenn Close when she falls into the uh, thing <laughs> of molasses? That That's basically how I feel watching their scenes together. And they're the most... <laughs> terribly written. I just just going to say I love you. I love you too.
1: Oh. Okay, I'm still going to defend Hannah and Dexter that relationship or at least, you know, at least that idea. Again, it's giving Dexter something to fight for. It's giving him a goal, giving him something he wants. I'm okay with this in theory. I agree with you some of the dialogue isn't great. My I think my biggest problem at least in this episode was that opening scene where they're in bed together. And all I could think was, wait, so Dexter got rid of Zack's body, and then instead of immediately rushing over to Vogel's place to to figure (laughs) out what was going on, he went back and maybe had sex with Hannah again, and he doesn't seem very concerned about what has happened to Zack. And then, okay, they're talking about it, and Hannah says, this is the most ridiculous line in this episode, she says... I'm so sorry about Zack. I know how much he meant to you. And I was like, what?
0: Which is followed up with, well, I have to go to Vogel's so we can plan our next move. He doesn't even acknowledge him. <laughs>
1: like, right.
0: Like, thank you so much. I'm going through such a rough time. Instead, he's like, yeah, well, I gotta go to Vogel's and we gotta figure out what to do next. <laughs> Let's get out of here. <laughs>
1: Like, I was just thinking, wait, I mean, I know Dexter was planning on training Zack, and he was starting to form this teacher-student relationship, but even last episode, most of last episode, he thought Zack had killed Cassie, and Zack was not really high on his list of friends, and now suddenly Hannah's like, I know how much Zack meant to you, Like, like, they were just really, they really had a close, powerful bond, and I'm like, wait... Zack has only been around since episode, what? Six? Five? Five,
0: Five, six. I, well, I think those. he
1: first showed up in five for, like, that one stupid scene. Yeah. And then he showed up again in, in six. So really only three episodes has, has Zach even been a factor. And suddenly we're supposed to believe that they've got this deep emotional bond. It was just, uh, no, I'm sorry. The problem with this season is that the writers, they seem to think that they're communicating a lot more than they are. They seem to think that we're suddenly going to be invested in all these new people when we aren't. I'm just wondering, like, how did they not catch this in the development phase? How did they not look at this season from a structural perspective and say, uh, maybe this is a problem?
0: Yeah. I also read a review that brought up a really good point, which is why I dislike Dexter's relationship with Hannah so much, and I dislike that the writers are trying to get us to root for them to escape to Argentina together so much, and that's because Dexter never feels any pain or takes any responsibility for any of his actions, including the several, for, including for the several characters who are killed as a result of his actions. Sure, there was Rita, but Zach, Doakes, Cassie, how, how many other characters... He he still thinks he deserves this normal life, that he is deserving of this love with Hannah. And, you know, like, when it comes down to it, Dexter's an asshole. Dexter's a jerk. Like, he doesn't feel any sense of remorse or responsibility. And whenever Vogel's talking about how he's so emotionally, how psychopaths are so emotionally inert, and then he's like, you underestimate me, I'd always, I always come back to thinking about how, Dexter never really has to, uh, never really cares about all the damage he's doing to the people that he loves around him, apart from that, and I'm kind of like, no, you know, you are kind of a, 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 a sociopath. You you really don't care about anything that anyone has been hurt by, and, and if you do, you get over it in about two episodes, and then you just think you're deserving of a normal life. Like, it's just a burden that he has to kill people. It's not a burden that he has put harm to his sister and had his wife killed and um you know had the kids sent away and that he all these people are dead as a result of him all these innocent people are dead as a result of him and it makes me not want to root for him like y- you know like right. first of all Hannah and his conversations are just as flat as a bad soda and i just don't care. I'm rooting against him to get to Argentina. I want him to suffer really terrible consequences. I don't like any of these characters anymore. They're caricatures of what they used to be and nobody is smart anymore. Nobody is sane anymore. It's just hard to root for these people.
1: Yeah, I agree with you. And I I know what review you're referring to you're referring to the av club's review which you you how always you bring up. <laughs> i read their review of this episode and while i think they were a little bit overly harsh about how the writers have been treating dexter they're not completely wrong there does seem to be a real reluctance to consider the fact that maybe what dexter does isn't okay and he's not this heroic vigilante taking out bad guys. And in that review, the author brings up a TV series that premiered over the summer called The Writer's Room on the Sundance channel, where they interview writers for TV shows. And one of the episodes was on Dexter. And after reading the AV Club's review, I actually went and watched that episode of The Writer's Room Oh, good.
0: Good for you. I I wanted to, but I I couldn't find the time today.
1: I think that the author of that review might have read a little bit too much into it, but it's not entirely off the mark. I have a quote here that Manny Cotto, who's been one of the main writers on the show since season five, a a quote from him. He said, quote, I saw Dexter as the latter-day pulp hero. He has a secret identity. He has superpowers. So at least in the mind of Manny Cotto, Dexter is this admirable vigilante hero in the vein of someone like Doc Savage or some of those old pulp heroes. And that's certainly something that the show has brought up at times, uh, especially in, I think, season six or some maybe season two at some point when Dexter actually went to like a comic book shop and mm-hmm. called himself the Avenging Angel. I always thought that that was meant to be satirical. but now apparently I'm learning that maybe it's not maybe that's what the the writers actually think and that bothers me and that makes me concerned for how the show is going to end because I agree with you, I like this uh, development with Hannah, I like the fact that Dexter now has a goal and something he's going to fight for but I do not think that he deserves to necessarily get what he wants and and for him to basically get off scot-free and I'm kind of worried that that's what's going to happen
0: I'm, I am, too. It seems like the show is going to have a happy ending, and I'm going to call bullshit on that. If, if, if it does have a happy ending, what universe do the writers exist in where they think that Dexter deserves to get off scot-free?
1: Well, on that episode of The Writer's Room, I, I, someone, I can't remember who it was, brought up the idea that this is basically wish fulfillment. This is the audience getting to enjoy seeing someone take care of the bad guys.
0: Oh, that's so but that that just makes me feel like I need to go take a shower, dude. Like that yeah, makes me a, a little show. Bit. <laughs> <laughs> that just makes me even angrier, dude. It makes me want to boycott this thing now. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, it's it's really kind of disconcerting. Um and again, I'm not going to I'm not going to state right out that that's how the show's going to end because we still have 3 episodes to go, but I'm I'm becoming more and more concerned that any real exploration of moral conflict or consequences that they're just not going to really delve into that at all. And that, unfortunately, is what has been keeping me watching. Exactly. This series from the beginning. That's what I am most interested in.
0: Yeah, and it's when they got the highest, the, the highest ratings that they ever got for this show, I'm pretty sure, it was season four's finale where Rita was dead. And then, right. you know, everyone I've talked to who's stopped watching Dexter, they all say it was around season five. Because they just got over Rita's death in a heartbeat. He got over Rita's death in a heartbeat and they got onto this stupid subplot with Lumen and suddenly he wasn't haunted by Rita's death anymore.
1: I will defend Lumen in Season 5 to a degree and... I'm sure when we do our series recap at the end of this, we'll we'll talk about each of the seasons and talk about what we liked about them and what we disliked about them. I don't think season five was a total misstep, and from a character perspective, I can see what they were going for, but you're right. That seems to have been one of the last times that there were actually any consequences for Dexter. At least until season seven, when Deb found out, and then we started to get some more consequences, and again, that was when... The show kicked back into high gear for me. Yeah, me too. So it seems like the writers don't really understand what makes the show work. Getting back to this episode, let's talk about some of these big reveals regarding Vogel and the brain surgeon. Did you like this reveal at all? No. (laughs) I thought it was anticlimactic and silly
0: and uh, contrived and horribly executed and any other negative adjective I can think of.
1: I like parts of it. I like the general concept of it. We
0: called that Oliver had something to hide, and we also claimed that it would be underwhelming if he did have something to hide, and it was revealed that he had something to hide, and not only is he uh, Cassie's killer, but he's the brain surgeon, so it's like the writers are like, well, let's kill two birds with one stone here, let's just just wrap everything up, and that made it even worse.
1: Last week, you said that you thought Oliver was the brain surgeon, and I said I didn't think he was, and that if he is, that's a really stupid idea. I stand by that. Having Oliver be be the brain surgeon is stupid. Having the brain surgeon be Vogel's son, I think, is more interesting, just because, I don't know if you remember this, but back at the beginning of the season, when we started getting all these reveals with Vogel, and we talked a lot about just how rooted in ancient archetypes they were, and how that was kind of interesting, and there were there were all these different things related to creator and the created and nature versus nurture. I think that this idea of the brain surgeon as Vogel's son is interesting because they set it up as a, as kind of this Cain and Abel thing where she had two kids, Daniel and Richard, Daniel killed Richard, and that's what inspired her to study psychopaths. That to me works. And I think that's interesting. But then when you reveal, oh... And Daniel is Oliver. That's when I just shut off and I'm like, no, I'm sorry, I don't care.
0: Smacked your hand against your forehead. Yeah. (laughs) Like, oh my God, Andrew. So we're supposed to believe that Vogel is a very highly intelligent psychiatrist with a PhD for most of this season. And she knows everything about psychopaths. But she also has a son that, or two sons, actually, that she didn't mention to Dexter. Didn't think would be important to mention the Dexter. And then uh, the whole backstory of, okay, so Daniel was my uh, youngest son, or no, his, my oldest son who killed my youngest son, and then he was sent to a hospital, and then it burned down and he was dead. I don't understand how someone who is so keen on psychopaths could just believe that her son, who she states, uh, lacked empathy, that he could not be responsible for this crime of arson for the hospital, and just assume that he is dead.
1: Well, I'm willing to go with that. I'm willing to believe that she would trust her husband when her husband says... I saw Daniel's body and he's dead. I'm, I'm willing to go with that. But the way that they revealed it is very problematic because, as you mentioned, this is episode nine and Dexter and Deb supposedly researched Dr. Vogel and looked into her past and you're telling me they didn't find out that she had two kids? Yeah, that's a good point. I didn't even think of that. The only thing they ever mentioned that they had discovered was that at one point she'd had a husband. That was the only thing that they've ever mentioned over the course of this season. And now we find out, oh, she also had kids. Surely that would show up in some records.
0: <laughs> oh, it says that she has a husband. And there's also this, uh, this big smear of black ink that's covering up the rest of the files. Oh, I'm sure it's not important.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, it's just, it really doesn't make any sense how they wouldn't have discovered this sooner. The other big problem is they give us part of the reveal. They do reveal that, yes, Vogel has a son, he's the brain surgeon, it's Oliver, but they don't reveal what his plan is. They don't reveal why he's doing these things. And it's reached the point where I'm finding this really frustrating, because there are so many holes and so many things that don't really seem to make sense. I'm just begging the writers, just tell me what is going on. Please, tell me what is going on so we can spend the last three episodes or the last four episodes watching it play out and hopefully get some decent, satisfying conclusion. It's like they think that by holding on to certain pieces of information as long as they can, they're raising the tension. When in this case, they're not. They're just making me angry.
0: Oh, me too. It, I, I am in total agreement with you.
1: And, and, I mean, the title of this episode is Make Your Own Kind of Music, which is a song that appeared firstly when Vogel was kidnapped by AJ, and again when Dexter found Zack's body. And at the beginning of this episode, he asks her, hey, what's up with the song? And she's like, oh, it's just a song. And then later she's like, oh, wait, uh, yeah, I remember. That's the song that my son Daniel absolutely loved and played every single time on the jukebox when we went to the marina or wherever. And I was like, wait, you're telling me your son died, but you did don't immediately think of him when you hear that song.
0: <laughs> no. And uh, Dexter asks, does this song have any importance to you? No, no. It's just a nice song. 20 minutes later, actually, yes. Daniel loved that song. <laughs> it, was like, it was like a little light bulb went over her head. It was just like... Right. The, okay,
1: so, so my theory right now is that Vogel's completely full of crap. Oh, and yeah. that she knew her son was alive and that they're in league together. That is my theory, because that is the only thing that can make sense. It's the only
0: thing that can make sense, and it's the only thing that can keep Vogel's character interesting. If she was seriously stupid the entire time, and she's not menacing at all, and she's not, as uh, Rachel from the Dexter cast put it, the master puppeteer behind this whole thing, then this is just the one of the most inconsistent characters I have ever seen on television.
1: <laughs> right, I mean, that that's the only reason I can think of, that she would choose to remember certain things at certain times and forget them at other times. Surely she has to know and she has to be playing Dexter, and she has to be manipulating him in some way. There has to be something else going on. Otherwise, I'm just like, what? Yeah. Why? <laughs> Did these scripts get proofread at any point? Did they,
0: did they <laughs> before they aired this season, or before they shot it, did they, like, at least sit it in a circle and read these scripts aloud and make sure that all the dots were connected? Because, my God, Andrew, when you reveal a twist like this that not only reveals who Cassie's murderer was but and and Zach's murderer was but also that he's the brain surgeon and that he's Vogel's son we shouldn't be asking more questions we should have all the answers by this point we need to be as you said we have 3 episodes left we need to be emotionally locked in to these characters instead of just asking more questions and going back and, and thinking back to whether or not certain things make sense because that's not good t- storytelling if we have to think about wait so why did he kill cassie and why did he kill zach and what was he intending to do to frame zach if he was gonna kill him anyway
1: and what was up with aj what did aj know yeah called dexter vogel's hero.
0: Vogel's hero? Why did he have Vogel's files on his computer? It's so frustrating. Either I'm watching the show and I'm laughing out loud from how ludicrous everything is, or I'm sitting there and I'm bored, or I'm sitting there and I'm just like, I, I feel like I need to go out and buy a stress ball every time I watch this show now because I'm just getting so angry. I agree with you. It's really infuriating to sit through.
1: Yeah, I remember in one of our first episodes, Charlie, we said how what we really wanted from this season was we really wanted to see all the members of Miami PD get their moment to shine. We wanted to see them all start to realize that Dexter is a serial killer and we and we wanted them all to play a role in bringing him to justice or having there be some consequences for all the murdering he's done for eight years. And instead of that, what we've gotten is four or five completely new characters that they've only barely developed in a plot that's so convoluted, it's hard to figure out what exactly is going on. Meanwhile, everyone at Miami PD is completely clueless. And we've got three episodes left, so I'm starting to feel like, well, I guess maybe Miami PD is not gonna catch Dexter. No, I mean, how would they?
0: You know what I would love to see? i just love Deb to just be like, oh my god, what have I been doing for the past eight years? Fuck this shit. And then just, like, go and take him in. Because, seriously, watching Deb getting walked over this many times doesn't even make me feel bad for her anymore. It just makes me think she's dumber.
1: Right. She does kiss Quinn in this episode, which is something you and I predicted would probably happen, that some sparks might fly again, but I don't know what I'm—am I supposed to be happy that she's with Quinn? Because, I mean, she's still helping Hannah and Dexter get away with everything— yeah, and Quinn's an asshole because
0: he's <laughs> dating a girl whose uh, best friend just got murdered, and he thinks that's a good idea.
1: <laughs> right. <laughs> Jamie is not having a good season. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Her, her best friend just got killed, and now her boyfriend is kissing the girl that he, she's been complaining about the entire season, saying, you're you're still in love with her.
0: Yeah, despite the fact that he hasn't been talking about Deb at all, she's been bringing it up. Like, you know, like, but, you know, I don't like Jamie either because of that, because he never brings Deb up. Uh, She always brings Deb up. But to have this happen, it's not even like, yeah, get away from Jamie. It's just like, okay, everyone's an idiot. Everyone's a jerk. And can I just say my favorite uh, line of this episode is after Quinn kisses Deb, he says, let's just pretend that didn't happen. And she says, yeah. Let's pretend it didn't. I feel like we're going to be saying that after the last episode of this season. I feel like (laughs) we're just going to be saying, let's pretend the season didn't exist. And that Deb shot LaGuerta, and uh, you can use your imagination from what happens from there.
1: Let's just pretend that it ended in episode three with her confessing. (laughs)
0: Yes. (laughs) Oh, um, going back to the Make Your Own Music song, though, where, uh, first of all, I love how um, they still have a jukebox in a diner. Well, I guess that some diners probably have jukeboxes, but can I just say that another thing I was thinking is when Oliver goes to play that song like three to five times, I was just hoping for a shot of everyone in that restaurant to just go, ugh, <laughs> like, make it stop. What is your problem? Like, <laughs> yeah. Like, what is wrong with you? <laughs> are you trying to do this on purpose?
1: <laughs> are, you try- are you
0: trying to piss us off on purpose?
1: Okay, I will say one good thing about Oliver. Oh well, that's more than that's more than I have, but yeah. What's the name of the actor?
0: His name is Dari Ingolfsson, and he was the the last role I can see him in uh, is the Karlstad police officer that he was uncredited for in The Girl with the Dragon Tattoo. No, I'm I'm wrong. It was uh, canvassing a TV series. He plays Marcos in the TV series Canvassing, which I unfortunately I, I don't know what that is.
1: Well, he actually had a role on the ABC series Last Resort. Oh, yeah, that's it. That, that too. we actually started to do a podcast about on Film Geek Radio, and then the show got canceled. And he wasn't terrible in that show. He was terrible the first two times we saw him in Dexter. But this episode, he kind of won me over. He wasn't nearly as over-the-top and melodramatic like when he's trying to act all shocked that Cassie was dead. And now I'm kind of thinking, well, is the reason he seemed to act so poorly... At first, because that was that supposed to be a sign that it was all an act, yeah. he's really the brain surgeon and he's a psychopath, and he doesn't know how to communicate emotions
0: he 's actually giving a great performance because uh, his character is just a terrible actor.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I actually thought that he gave a really good performance this episode, and I think he's kind of compelling he, he's got good screen presence. Uh, he seems, like, pretty serious, pretty intense. He seems also like he's very intelligent. I mean, he knew that Dexter was on to him. He slashed Dexter's tires. I, I feel like if we had seen this side of him earlier on, again, that's the same thing I've said for the past few episodes now. If we had seen this earlier on, maybe this would be really, really interesting. And And I'm thinking, okay, if he is the big bad, if he's the brain surgeon, most seasons of Dexter, we spend most of the season getting to know the big bad. And I think that he's a talented enough actor. he's got he's got enough of a screen presence that I wouldn't have minded getting to see more of him,
0: yeah. i I, I don't have a problem with his performance. Also, I have to make a, an apology to our listeners for some weird reason. I kept calling him Patrick for, like, two to three episodes. And I I seriously apologize for that. I don't know why I thought his name was Patrick.
1: You're thinking of Patrick Bateman from American Psycho. And it's one of Dexter's aliases.
0: That's probably right, actually, because I remember mentioning American Psycho on one of our previous episodes. So maybe that name just stuck in my brain and got attached to him accidentally. But I have to disagree with you on the fact that he's uh, intelligent because okay, so Zack apparently ripped out his hair and then stuck it under the table. I would have loved to see how that fight went down. Like, did Zack just, like, take out a piece of gum he was chewing on, put it under the table, rip out his hair, and then just stick it? Like, I I don't know.
1: Oh, that was idiotic.
0: That was so terrible.
1: I think that was probably the dumbest part of the entire episode. And in an episode full of dumb things, that one takes the cake, because Dexter, he looks under the table, and he's like, Oh, there's blood. And hair (laughs) and a fingerprint right in the middle of it. Yeah. And I was like, well, that's really convenient. And his first thought is that Zach put it there. And my first thought was – no, you idiot! The <laughs> brain surgeon planted it there because he's been planting evidence all along.
0: <laughs> but no! <laughs> it actually was Zack, and uh, the brain surgeon really is that stupid. He's also uh too stupid to realize maybe I should throw my garbage away before Dexter will come over to my house.
1: Also, the the thing that makes that so idiotic is that they say something like, Oh, you you trained Zack so well, he was so calm and collected even as he was <laughs> being attacked that he knew to put the blood and the (laughs) fingerprint and the hair underneath the table and i was like okay firstly there's no way he could do that without oliver noticing secondly (laughs) zach is not calm and collected okay he is a teenage boy he would be freaking out if he was about to be murdered he he would not retain his composure no! Never! <laughs> I seriously
0: wish we could get a flashback as to how that went down. Did he did he just take, like, did did Zach conveniently have, like, duct tape or something and then just, like, wrap a big piece around, like, Oliver's head and then just, like, or, like, a glue stick or something that he just, like, hit Oliver in the head with and then, like, just rubbed the tip of the glue stick under the table? Like, ugh. <laughs> Andrew, this show is so stupid. (laughs) It's so very, very, very stupid. And it's driving me nuts. I'm sorry, listeners.
1: I can only hope that next episode, they're going to be like, Oops! We lied! Actually that was planted there by the real brain surgeon. It was another person that you don't know and have had no time to
0: understand his motivations or learn his personality. Or, in fact, it's Vogel the
1: entire time. Oh, I, I actually, I, I hope it is Vogel. Like I said, I hope she and her son have been in league from the very beginning because at least that might help some of it make sense.
0: But wouldn't that just be, like, even more predictable. I mean, I hope Vogel's menacing in some way. I hope she has been behind something the entire time, but wouldn't that just be in the, the uh, most predictable plot twist on top of an already predictable plot twist?
1: I'd be fine with that at this point. Just give me something I can latch onto. Give me a character I've at least spent more than five minutes with. <laughs> give me get some sort of explanation that makes sense. I don't care if I guessed from the very beginning that Vogel was the big bad. Again, that would be in keeping with with the series as a whole. Usually the big bad is someone you get to meet at the very beginning of the season.
0: Yeah. What if it was Hannah the entire time, and then Hannah just murders everyone, and then gets shot down by a SWAT team? That's what I want to
1: happen. I'd be okay with that.
0: I'd be okay with that too, because uh, if Hannah isn't using dexter and the writers really do just say no she really was this this blonde damsel in distress who needs a who was a serial killer but needs a very heterosexual serial killing male figure in her life to come save her it's just as boring as everything that they talk about in this show also if there was a drinking game for this episode it would be every time dexter talks about quote having a life with hannah He literally says it twice in like a minute, I'm pretty sure, when he's talking to Vogel.
1: Yeah. Again, this show has never been subtle. I I can handle that up to a certain point, but then eventually it becomes obnoxious.
0: It's just like having a dozen little splinters constantly in your eyes. It's just, it's just, we get it, writers. We can see it. He's in love. She's in love with him. I'm kind of in denial, Andrew. I'm kind of in denial that any of this is actually happening. Like, like I said last (laughs) week is, is Showtime pranking us? (laughs) Please showtime. Write us an email. Uh, Is this supposed to be real? Are we actually getting a real season eight like later on? And you just like did this as a joke.
1: Imagine this ending Charlie. okay? Okay. Imagine crazy stuff keeps happening for the next three episodes And then the last scene of season eight, we realize that nothing in this season actually happened. Suddenly it's revealed that Deb didn't shoot LaGuerta, she shot Dexter, and this is his dying fantasy of how everything (laughs) could play out, where he's thinking, if only Deb had shot LaGuerta and went through a dark period, but then eventually learned to love me again. And if only Hannah was back, and we fell in love, and suddenly managed to escape and go to Argentina, and everything was perfect. What if none of this is real, and Deb actually killed Dexter at the end of Season 7? I think that would be more satisfying than what we're getting right now.
0: I think that the it-was-all-a-dream plot twist, unless it's, like in a Brian De Palma movie, uh, is basically one of the most cheap twists you could ever throw into a movie or TV series. Oh, I agree. But this season is so bad that I'm actually hoping that you're right and that this is all Dexter's fantasy.
1: That would be brilliant because... All of the people, like the writers apparently, who are rooting for Dexter to get away with it, it would be like a giant middle finger to them as if saying, ha ha, we're going to give you the impression that we're giving you what you want and then confront you with the fact that no, that's not what you get. There have to be consequences. Yes. You can't get away with murder.
0: Yes, because it's almost like they're like, this is what you want, right, viewers? And we're like, we're actually supposed to give a crap about what's happening right now? I mean, Andrew, you've seen Return of the Jedi, right?
1: Yes, I've seen Return of the Jedi.
0: Remember that scene where... uh They're on Jabba the Hutt's, like, hovercraft or whatever, and they go to the sand pit, and then C-3PO is explaining to Luke and Han that Jabba wants to throw them into that sand pit, and that it will uh, digest them for the course of a thousand years, and it'll be, like, the most painful thing they've ever experienced. That's kind of what this feels like. <laughs> it's like watching something that I loved and got me into television when I was teenager and just watching it just shrivel into dust before my very eyes. Or uh, if George Lucas ever wants to remaster Return of the Jedi again, they can actually just uh, have, you can dive into this sand pit and you will be digested for uh, a thousand years and it'll be the most painful thing you've ever experienced. Or you can sit in this room with the DVDs of season eight of Dexter and uh, watch it through all the way just once
1: (laughs) again i'm not gonna give up yet i'm going to i'm gonna remain eternally optimistic charlie (laughs) maybe season eight of dexter is like boba fett and it's gonna strap on its jetpack and fly on out before it's too late you never know
0: or maybe it's like job of the hut where it's a fat tub of lard that's slowly being strangled to death
1: (laughs) wow We're really pilot on the hate this episode.
0: I'm sorry. I'm sorry. It's because I realize it isn't fair of me to say this is the worst season yet when it's not even over. But God, it's 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 definitely the most frustrating. Like even season six, you could tell where it was going. You could identify with the characters. You could identify with the themes. You could identify with what they were trying to say. Here, what is the message? The only thing I could get out of this message that was worth any thematic value is both Dexter and Vogel are blinded by the fact that they need to do a specific thing that means giving up the person they love when they are not willing to make that sacrifice. But both Dexter and Vogel are are both... So stupid and so crazy by this point that I don't care about what happens to either of them. I don't care that Dexter has to give up Hannah if he has any optimistic sense of getting away with all this. And I don't care that Vogel uh, has to give up her psychotic son if uh, she doesn't want to get herself killed. Like, I I just don't care. They're
1: morons. You brought that up, getting yourself killed. That's another thing that bugged me about this episode, because the whole time, this whole season, we've assumed that the reason the brain surgeon is doing all this and and sending pieces of people's brains to Vogel is because that's a threat, and eventually he's going to come after Vogel. Now we learn that, no, apparently it's because it's her son and he's a psychopath, and he knows that she was always upset by the fact that he didn't show any empathy, so now he's sending her all of this empathy, in a sense. He's sending her these pieces of the brain that generate empathy. To make up for that. He's, he's really trying to win her love in a weird way. Yet for some reason, Dexter keeps running around going, he wants to kill you. You're in danger. And I just, I'm, I'm thinking, wait, how do you know that? It's not one of her patients. It's yeah. her biological son. How, how do you know he wants to kill her?
0: To bounce off of that, Vogel's like Dexter. You're not focused. This is not going to end well. But um, unless she's hiding something that we don't know, she's like Dexter. He's my son. You can't just kill him. You know, I get it. it I, I get that he's her son. They love each other. I get it.
1: Well, also she hasn't. She thought he was dead, and now she suddenly realizes he's alive. So of course she's going to want to talk to him and and see him. And
0: yeah, like uh, or, or I guess it's more it's more easier to empathize with Vogel about not wanting to give up the person that she loves than it is to empathize with Dexter to give up the person that he loves. But at the same time, Vogel's like, you're not focused, Dexter. And I'm like, no one is focused on the, in this show. Nothing is focused in this season. I don't understand anything <laughs> because nothing is focused. Nothing is clear. I don't understand what is happening in front of my very eyes. <laughs> and
1: we're nine episodes in. I feel like any normal person, if, if it, we're supposed to assume that this takes place in reality, the logical thing, once Dexter learns that Oliver is the brain surgeon and he's her son, the logical thing to do would be like, Okay, I'm going to go get Oliver, I'm going to bring him over to Vogel, and we're just going to talk this out and figure out what's going on before we decide what to do. Yeah. Let's just get it all out in the open. And even though Oliver has been
0: killing people... And he is a psychopath and he's probably, he's the big bad of the season and we're probably gonna, you know, he's probably gonna end up dead and he's probably gonna be a terrible person. Like, for Dexter to just say, okay, uh, he's your son? Well, he's the brain surgeon, I'm gonna go kill him now. And he's, she's like, please don't do that. It just makes me think that Dexter is such a jerk. The poor woman just realized that her son is alive and he's like, well, I'm gonna go kill him. yeah (laughs) like you'll have half an hour to deal to let this sink in before uh he he actually is dead
1: well i think we've talked this episode to death
0: yeah let's put this thing out of its misery
1: i'm gonna ask you the same question i asked you last week charlie what's your crazy theory how do you think the show is gonna end What, what what crazy thing could they pull out now
0: I think it's going to end with like that South Park episode where everyone who's holding in their farts implodes. I'm pretty sure that's how this whole season is going to end. Is everyone's just going to start imploding? In all honesty, how do I think this is going to end? I think this is going to end with Hannah being taken hostage by Oliver and Vogel and Oliver are probably going to get killed and maybe Hannah will die and maybe Dexter will die. I'm skeptical that it's going to end in a tragic sense at this point. Uh, Not only because of uh, what the past nine episodes have led us to believe, but also because of what you have just told me of that episode from The Writer's Room and from reviews that I've read that have watched that episode of The Writer's Room. I think that it's just going to end with them going to Argentina and Deb's going to become a cop again and they all live happily ever after. What would I like to happen? I would like Deb to just shoot everybody, in all honesty, and be like, I've spent eight years with you crazy people, and I'm sick of it, and I need my life back. And then she moves to Argentina and starts a new life. The season has gotten more convoluted and muddled than Amanda Bynes' breakdown.
1: Here's my crazy theory that I'm going to pitch. Last week I said, oh, what if Vogel is Dexter's grandmother? Well, Charlie, I'm going to throw this out. What if Vogel is Dexter's actual biological mother? I'd buy it. Harry had an affair with Vogel? Yep. She gave birth to Dexter?
0: Mm-hmm. Or,
1: or maybe she gave birth to Dexter in England or was pregnant with Dexter when Daniel killed Richard. And it was so traumatic she decided to give her new baby up for adoption.
0: Yeah, I buy that. I totally buy that. I'm not sure it can redeem everything that's come so far, but
1: I'm sure they've probably disproven that earlier in the series. I'm sure they showed some DNA evidence that shows that Laura Moser is actually Dexter's real biological mother, but I'm going to I'm just going to say that would be crazy. That would be kind of that'd be kind of interesting. <laughs>
0: I, I actually think that uh, she is uh, she grew Dexter. Uh, Dexter's actually a plant. <laughs> Dexter was uh, grown from a psychopath tree that she had growing in her backyard in
1: England. Well, well, here's the thing, Charlie. If they intend for Dexter to get away with everything, and, as we've talked about before, this whole season seems to be about family and how important family is. That would kind of make sense to me, that, okay, Dexter is Vogel's son, or related somehow, which means that Brian, the truck killer, was also related, and and now we find out that he may have a brother or some other relative. If he and Vogel are related, that means that the truck killer, Dexter, and the brain surgeon... And Vogel are one big, happy serial killer family. And <laughs> Vogel and Oliver and Dexter can just live happily ever after.
0: Yeah, because they deserve that.
1: <laughs> yep. <laughs> after, after
0: all of the pain and suffering that they have caused to their loved ones, I, as a viewer of this show, want nothing more than for all of them to just get away with everything and live a wonderful life together in Argentina or the Bahamas or St. Kitts or wherever the hell they decide to go. You know what would be great if they all did live decide to live happily ever after and like they got on like a cruise ship or something. And then the cruise ship just like catches on fire and sinks. <laughs> like <laughs> like
1: like it would be a tragedy, but out of nowhere. It would be an act of God. It would be God <laughs> rendering the judgment that the writers didn't have the courage. <laughs> to implement <laughs> it would be like haha we 've made we got away with it. No, the universe <laughs> declares that you cannot get away with it.
0: They make up everything and they hear, and they just hear rumbling, and they 're like what 's that noise? Oh my God, avalanche in miami <laughs>
1: <laughs> or there 's a tsunami, and Florida just gets wiped off the map. <laughs>
0: Florida just breaks off from the rest of the United States and, uh, and, uh, it's isolated from anything, uh, dealing with, uh, the way that crime is actually, uh, solved or dealt with in the rest of the country. They can all just, uh, (laughs) live barbarically there. Sorry to any listeners from Florida. That was a joke (laughs) in case you couldn't tell. Uh,
1: At this point, I'm, I'm not sure that would be any crazier than what we've got. Yeah. All right, well, I think that'll wrap it up for this episode of Avenging Angels on Film Geek Radio. We'd love to get your feedback on the show. Let us know, what do you think of the season of Dexter? Is it the worst season ever? Do you think it's one of the better seasons of the show? Do you like what they're doing here with Vogel and Oliver? You can email us at avengingangels at filmgeekradio.com or comment on the website at filmgeekradio.com. You can also subscribe to the show through iTunes, so if you liked this episode, please write us a review. That would really help us get the word out about the show. You can also donate to us through the website. We really appreciate your help. And don't forget to check out other great shows on Film Geek Radio, including Cinema Fix, The Thin Place, Navigating the Newsroom, and The Nerdy Projectors. Charlie, where can people find you online?
0: You can find all my articles that I've written for Your Magazine Emerson at issue, that's Issu.com slash Emerson. And you can follow me on Twitter at ctnash91, that's c-t-n-a-s-h-91.
1: You can find some of my writing at moviemezzanine.com and patheos.com. You can also follow me on Twitter at writerandrew. If you do follow me, be sure to send me a message and let me know you're a listener, and I will follow you back. That'll wrap it up for this episode. I'm Andrew Johnson. I'm Charlie Nash. And always remember that breakfast is the most important meal of the day.